And welcome on in to Dynasty Never Rest, a podcast focused on fantasy football, trades, and awesome guest stars. This is the sixth episode, and I am excited to introduce my next incredible guest, Fantasy Ladder, a.k.a. Steve. Um, He is the auction king, and he has become one of my closest friends in the space. So, uh, Steve, it's just really good to have you here. Yeah, this is really great. Uh, I'm really excited for you to take this step in, you know, in, in this journey you're on in the fantasy football space and really just a pleasure to be on with you. Yeah, um, I, I wanted to wear this shirt tonight because Dynasty Pros is kind of how we got connected. Um, we both joined the team as writers, um, I think at a similar time, just a, a lot of us are, were brought on me, you charlie um darren um ralph i think we all kind of came in at the same time and uh yeah all of us guys have just kind of connected and we're kind of just a click in in a in a sense to where we kind of rely on each one another we don't necessarily interact every day but we're good at you know retweeting each other's posts and just being there in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we are going to talk a little Eagles here because obviously as all of you can see that (laughs) fantasy ladder is an Eagles fan. And um, while I'm not an Eagles fan, I am a Jalen Hurts fan. Um, Always been that way. And so I always like talking about the Eagles just because of Hurts. And, and uh, so why don't we just get into talking about the Eagles? So who have the Eagles signed that you like thus far? So for starters, I was really glad that they were able to resign two older veterans that, that, that have been on the team for a while uh-huh. in uh, Fletcher Cox and Jason Kelsey. So Jason Kelsey is like my favorite player in the league. He's just off the field. He is just a ton of fun and Uh just really outrageous, but it's just awesome. And then as a player, he is like a pro bowl, you know, all pro caliber uh, center. And, um, you know, so just, he's been kind of flirting with the idea of retiring for a couple of seasons now, but it's just always great to have that kind of a guy around. Now, outside of the veterans, uh, the one free agent they were able to bring in, which I think is just a fantastic fit for the team and for the player itself, is uh, Hassan Redick. Um, He is a local guy uh, from Camden. He went to Temple. Camden's in New Jersey, right across the river from Philadelphia. But either way, they, they really got a fantastic deal with him. He signed for three years, $45 million with 30 million guaranteed. So I read that when you break down the $15 million per, per year, uh, that ranks as tied at 17th um, in the, uh, he's 17th uh, as a pass rusher making that kind of money. Okay. And he's but, more than 
the a top 17 pass rusher in this league. Exactly. So, so in the last two seasons, uh, 23 and a half sacks, that puts him uh, fifth most in the NFL over that span. So uh-huh. to me, that's just a really, that's a, that's just a phenomenal bargain. Um, and he's, he's still in his prime. You know what I mean? He's not just like an older vet, like, like a Justin Houston or whatever, who's still good in his own right. But, um, you know, very, very happy with, with that, uh, signing for sure. Yeah. Me and, uh, some of the guys at 92 pros, we just did an IDP draft oh, nice. um, just this past week. And I got Reddick, I think in the 21st round, um, and <laughs> He just kept falling. Then I was like, I can't just let him sit there anymore. He's, I, and after I drafted him, I said, yeah, in the 21st round, I'll take the guy who has the fifth most sacks over the past two seasons because it's like a huge sack bonus league. And so, oh, perfect. Um, was, was definitely, and like Miles Garrett and Watt, they, they went in the single digit rounds. And so to get oh, wow. Redick there, yeah. Um, Reddick's a guy um, that I've been saying throughout free agency that he has been one of the best bargain buys. He, his contract isn't, um, he's not getting paid enough, but I think he might may have taken a kind of hometown discount to where he wanted yeah, to definitely. be with the Eagles. And yeah, so that's exciting. I, I do want to ask you, uh, what do you think about um, the extension of Jordan Malata, um, the offensive line guy. Um, I don't know a ton about him, um, but I saw um, a couple months ago they extended him and it seemed like a decent contract, but I don't know enough about the Eagles to know if he's a weekly starter, if he's, so what are your thoughts on that signing or extension? Yeah, he's a really fascinating player because he was either a seventh round pick or went undrafted because he was like an Australian or like a rugby, like a former uh, yeah. rugby player. Um, so at that, you know, draft capital, it's like, well, you take the gamble on the guy and if he works out, you know, it, it, that's cool. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's not the end of the world. But he, he was a very solid starter <laughs> and the tackle position was one where the Eagles have had a lot of like just bad um, luck as far as the injuries are concerned. They had longtime veteran. Um, oh gosh, uh, Jason Peters, and he just got injured like year after year after year. It was just it was just, it was, just, it was a shame to see it happen. And then they drafted Andre Dillard in the first round, uh, I think three years ago, and he for whatever reason just is having trouble with, with injuries too. So like the offensive line has just always been like Brandon Brooks, another like guard who like right. his Who's... really great player just out. So Malata had to be put in just out of like necessity. And then he became like a really solid piece of that f- offensive line, obviously as a left tackle. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure what his contract was either. Um but just to keep that kind of a player around, I think is exciting, you know, uh, and don't ask me about the cap. I have no idea how that works. Uh, it seems very fickle to me, but I don't think uh, any of us really have a good <laughs> understanding of it. Right. Um, is there anybody out in free agency that, that you would like to see the Eagles grab? I, I have one guy that I would like the Eagles to grab, but I want to see um, if you've got somebody. 
So I, I had two players at this point at the top of my list. Um, uh-huh. I, I sadly crossed off Bobby Wagner's name after he signed <laughs> with, with the Rams because he would yeah. have been just an amazing fit at middle linebacker to replace uh, um, Alex Singleton. Uh-huh. Either way, that didn't happen. <laughs> but who I'm looking at at this point are um, Tyron Matthew, and and Jarvis Landry actually, because yeah. the problem with with Landry at this point has been just the amount of money he's asking for. And uh-huh. again, just back to the cap, like I don't know how that. Honestly, I just don't know how that's going to work with, with what right. we have and what he's asking for. But I think he would be an excellent piece for the offense. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, he's just he's extremely versatile, uh, really great um, in the slot. And he does a whole he does he does everything you you'd want him to and I think he could right. just help um, Jalen Hurts uh, as far as his like as far as his accuracy is concerned but still open things up for Devonta Smith but either way um, so Jarvis Landry if we're going for offense that's who I would be looking at and then Tyron Matthew uh, where we're always are looking for um, help in the secondary because the Eagles just don't prioritize that in in the draft a lot of the time um, and Matthew had a uh, virtual meeting with the Eagles uh, today. So, uh, so, so there might be some promise there, but I think he's just taking his sweet time and just seeing who the, you know, highest bidder can be kind of between the saints and, and the Eagles, which is ironic because they just had that big uh, trade go down, but, uh-huh. but to answer the question, uh, uh, look at the honey badger and uh, Jarvis Landry for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis is definitely the offensive guy that I would love to land there. Um, just oh, nice. because he, he really, I think he would fit the scheme well, and he would be a short area target guy, have the ability to be that guy across the middle of the field um, that Hurts didn't have last year. And, That's right. And I, I believe for him to continue to grow, somebody, a, a guy across the middle of the field, the short area target is, is going to be something that they need. And... Jalen Rager is obviously not it. <laughs> um, it <sighs> I'm sure it stings as an Eagles fan to uh, have taken Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. Yeah, you know it's just it's just a tale as old as time. So, <laughs> like just going back years, like the, Even the draft day. with, but like years and years ago, like the draft with like Reggie Wayne and Steve Smith, uh, they took Freddie Mitchell. Uh, over both of them, I believe it was, uh, and it's just like then JJ Arcega Whiteside over Metcalf and all this. Uh-huh. Um, so with Rager, <laughs> I did a pretty impressive job of like tricking myself into being excited for him <laughs> because hey, he is versatile, he can do a lot of things, but the production wasn't quite there at his time at TCU. I'll be can blame the quarterback play and then everything else. So uh-huh. yeah, it just was like just devastated to have that play out, but. It is just remarkable just how poor uh, of a performer he has been with oh, a substantial amount of playing time. He's, he's on the field. He's just not doing anything. It's really yeah. kind of remarkable, as Darren pointed out in his hilarious thread uh, yes. yesterday. Yeah, um, it's it's been pretty embarrassing for Tim. It's just it's, he's not been that first-round talent. Um, so my question here is let's say the Eagles don't pick up a wide receiver in free agency. Do you want Howie to draft one? Because 
the history of them drafting wide receivers besides Smith right um has not been great but the good news is that Smith had a fantastic rookie year um not big on touchdowns but we kind of expected that with his size profile um but he had what 900 yards or something close to that I think he was shy of a thousand um I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but no, I think it was, uh, I, I was happy with it. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like boom the way that Waddle and like Chase did, you know what I mean? Right. But um, yeah, it, it was kind of an interesting season, a lot of changing uh, of the guard with Sirianni coming in and, and things like this. But, um, and it took Sirianni a while to kind of get a grip on, on the offense. Like it took right. several weeks for them to really find their, their groove and find out what their strengths and weaknesses were. But yeah. And kind of find out what Jalen hurts was, you know, right. he had played started four or five games in the previous season, but they didn't That's really right. have a good grasp of, of what he did well. And, and so I think he he started to figure that out towards the I, end of the season. I think so too. But to answer your question, um, I am hoping that that we get a, a wide receiver there in the first round because for me, this isn't a class where it's like I really want one guy over the other. I, I will be just as happy with like Traylon Burks, Olave, or Garrett Wilson, Drake London, whoever – maybe they're at 15 or 18. Um, I think that would be really great. Uh, I don't, you know, so of those four, at least for me at this point, I don't necessarily have a strong preference over, I mean, and they're, and they're all different kind of players, right? Uh So like Drake London is like your, your, your bigger bodied kind of like contested catch type of guy. I mean, you can do other things too, but um, I don't know. So I, and again, if it's like one of those four or another one that, that, that I'm missing out on, it would not surprise me if he takes a guy that should have been drafted in the second round or something, yeah. you know. Like but if, if he pulls David Bell in the first round or Yeah, uh th- that that wouldn't be great. Yeah. Um and well it's interesting because they have five picks uh inside of the first 101. So 15, 18, 51, 83. So there could be something decent there at 51, but I definitely would want to prioritize wide receiver at either 15 or 18 for yeah. sure, despite yeah. uh, the bad history. Well, <laughs> um, and, and the Eagles don't have much of a history of going defensive in the draft. Um, at, as the trends that I've seen. And so I think there's, there's a good likelihood that, that they go at least a, a wide receiver with one of those two picks, because it's really their, their biggest need on the offense is to get a second guy in that offense. When you put a second guy like London or Burks in there with Smith and with Goddard, um, that would be a nice three-headed monster. Um, and if you can get a guy like Jarvis in there as the third wide receiver. Um, That's perfect, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think Jalen Hurts' um, passing efficiency would go up significantly. And so, yeah, because I think, I think if a defense has to account for Smith, say Landry, Goddard, 
that would create a more ideal opportunity for someone like like a Burks or or a London to catch it like like a deeper pass. Uh, what what I do want to see out of Hertz is just an improved accuracy on his deep passes. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's been like a little inconsistent to 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 put it lightly, but um, you know, I I think some of it is in what he was able to do, but also just who he was throwing to as well. It does make a difference, you know, for sure. Right. Right. Throwing to Greg Ward and, and, <laughs> and, and, and Quez Watkins who, you know, who, who did okay in his own right, but it's like, come on, like you don't need to pay as much attention to, to right. that kind of a player than, you know, um, you know what I mean? So just. Right. Uh, right. Quez Watkins would not be like a top 15 wide receiver in this draft. And so it's. That's right. <laughs> So, yeah, hoping that Hertz gets some more weapons and Sirianni just continues to develop that offense. Um, yeah, so definitely wide receiver. I, I would be eyeing at either 15 or 18. Then then at the opposite, either 15 or 18, uh, the one player who I am really hoping the Eagles look at is, is Nakobe Dean out of Georgia. That uh-huh. would – since we missed it on Bobby Wagner, yes, I just yes. think he would be just a phenomenal day one impact kind of a linebacker for, for the team. And again, the the loss of Alex Singleton is is pretty rough for for the Eagles' defense. I mean, good good job on the Broncos for being able to scoop him up on a pretty cheap deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Singleton led the Eagles in tackles the last two seasons, so he you know he, he's all over the place, and uh-huh. so. I would really would love Nicobe Dean uh, to be an Eagle on a uh, night one for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That would be if, yeah, I think that linebacker and wide receiver are two of their biggest holes right now. And so if they could pull um, both of those positions in the first round and then maybe uh, continue to shore up that offensive line in the second round, get a guy to sit behind Kelsey or, I don't know. We'll just kind of have to see how how he plays it. Um, one final Eagles question. Okay. What did you think of the trade? I I basically just like threw my hands up in the air, like when when it came through, because all all along, it just is. It's like it's just kind of known that Howie is is a pretty aggressive like mover in in the draft you know uh-huh. they did it last year because they did that trade with, with miami then they did uh-huh. it again on draft night to jump ahead of the giants to get or ahead of dallas to get devonta smith and then the then dallas picked and then the giants picked that well then the giants traded back with, with chicago, chicago. I think was. Yeah. yeah yeah but anyway so i i was really thrilled about that um i did not think for a second that Howie was going to make three picks on, on night one. Uh, uh-huh. He was either going to trade back in some fashion and then to load up on, on next year's class, which I'm, I'm very excited about. I think just gives them, well, because we get the first rounder, I think it gives them like uh, that. It puts them in a really good spot to further monitor Hertz for this year and then add to it next year. Or you know maybe maybe go a different direction and target one of the the quarterbacks if the the Saints are pretty bad, which it looks like they could be, um, because I think realistically the Saints are playing for like that last wild card spot. 
Yeah. I think Tampa, I think the NFC South is still going through Tampa Bay, right? So I think their only yeah. shot at a playoff spot, which would be like poor draft capital, would be if they get like a wild card spot in the playoffs. So See, I was thrilled me, with it. The Eagles are a better team than the Saints right now. Right. And so yeah, it was just it was pretty peculiar. Um I I am hoping that it really works out for them, but um part of me thinks that um that this could be the last year of Hurts as an Eagle if he doesn't turn into Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or whoever it is because they could end up with like a top 10 pick and and draft a much better QB class for next year and right. and and sit with a rookie that it was a more touted prospect um and so yeah you know I, I think I think that that's extremely fair I think the fact that Hertz made the playoffs in his second season is really encouraging but now it's like you got to keep progressing in in your ability and and again it I think it, it will just have to come down to that deep ball passing because that just really makes it just opens up the offense if you're able to have that just does vol it does does volumes for, for what you're able to do Absolutely. um and if he shows that I think they're in a good position either way where they can just kind of roll with them you know or or look at different directions so I I love the move I, I was ecstatic when when that when that alert came through I like nearly jumped out of my seat it was awesome yeah all right so as I mentioned before you are the king of auction for at least to me um and so I'm giving you that crown and we're gonna talk a little auction here how does that sound that sounds awesome so I I have never done a dynasty auction draft before um I've done two uh redraft auctions and and they're a lot of fun Auctions are a lot of fun, but they're also so frustrating um, because these players are on timers. And so, you know, it's like you get down to the end of the timer and it's like five, four, three, two. And then somebody puts in a bid and the timer restarts. And and so that's frustrating in redraft. So I can't imagine like if it's like a 12 hour timer, if you're doing a slow draft in Dynasty how frustrating that could be yeah and and what's funny is i actually have never done a dynasty auction draft either but i think just in my experience whatever draft type that you're entering into that's how you want to approach your your strategy and ultimately your your budget percent allotment um so with Comparing Dynasty to Redraft, obviously, Redraft, you're just that season, that's what you're aiming for. But then Uh Dynasty, you might just want to prioritize how you spend your money um, with with however you want to build your team. Uh, But you're right that they are a ton of fun, very frustrating. And I've heard about these like slow Dynasty auction drafts. And and honestly, they they, they sound like a nightmare. And that's just (laughs) not that's just coming from someone who really loves auctions. It just sounds like the kind of stress I don't want to have in my life because it's just like, kind of like 
with, with the redraft one, it's very intense for those two or three hours, however long it takes, and then, then it's done, you know. Yeah. But yeah. uh, if it's going on day after day after day, it's like I've, I've been in some like I've been in some like eBay situations where <laughs> I I just like tapped out after a while. Like, I got that they can have the stupid thing, you know what I mean? But with with a, with a dynasty league, I, that I don't know. I just feel like that that would not be good for my for my well being or or my mental health and all that jazz. But um, yeah, so I I would like to do one. I haven't done one yet. Um, definitely more of a redraft auction uh, preference, but. Uh, I'm not like opposed to it. I just I just haven't done it either. It's just funny. Like I saw the question, I'm like, uh oh, like I haven't done that either. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and it it kind of reminds me. Uh, I mean, I haven't done it, but it seems to remind me of the scene in Doctor Strange, where he shows up and says to I think it's Darmalmu, I've come to destroy you and then it's a time loop and it just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating. And it does it like 12, 14 times in the movie. And it's just like, that's what every player is going to be like. And so it's definitely daunting, but I do, I am intrigued by it because I also think I get a lot of enjoyment from being that guy after 11 hours to put in a bed uh, right before the timer's up because you know you're just you're like oh i think i finally got him this time and then somebody comes in and so um <clears throat> so maybe we'll have to we'll have to do one together and and go experience the pain and joy together absolutely yeah uh, uh so what are some common misconceptions when it comes to auction? Uh, I think a common misconception is that people just don't even know like where to begin on how to like prep for one. Uh And, and to a certain degree, it's just like practice, like just practice makes perfect. It's just like, just like with like a snake draft. You know what I mean? Um, You kind of have to get your feet wet before you really feel confident uh, doing it one way or the other. So I think that, that, that that seems to be everyone's hang up. It's like, well, I've I've never done one before. I I don't I, I would just be completely overwhelmed. I don't know what I'm doing. And to a certain degree, I was like that once too. And then uh-huh. you know you that that's why you know mock drafts are available. You know you can just keep 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 chipping away and and try new things out. Um, so I think that's kind of a misconception. Uh, and and the unknowns, you know, is really just what deters people. You know, like there's just a lot of safety and understanding. Okay, like like the typical way people talk about fantasy football is by round value, not by percentage of your budget or a a number of your budget. Like it's like another language, you know. So Uh I just think. And again, I have, you know, 10 plus years of of experience doing auction drafting. So it was a little bit to, to get used to, but very quickly you'll, you'll realize that you just have so much more control of, of your own destiny. And and in a lot of ways, it's just so much more empowering to try to get the players that you are seeking out to get. You're not just relying on why I hope that sky passes on this because it's all on you uh, to a certain degree. Obviously you don't have an infinite amount of money uh, to, to spend for your roster, but um, really you, you have a much better way of, 
you know, making your team what you want it to be without relying on other people reaching or sniping you, things like that. It just, it just doesn't happen. But the best way to sort of ease those blows is, is just to create like tiers. You know, you want to get like, like, uh, abilityed players in, in tiers. And then that way, if you miss out on the one that you really, really wanted, well, there's another one that's very similar at a, maybe a lower price point or a similar price point. Um, so you can still fall back on that, you know, and we, we all have these obsessions over certain players and this is just a draft where you can really get your guy uh, much more reasonably than like in a snake where, you know, it's just by chance, you know, you, you might have to reach two rounds to, to get your guy, you know, and this way you can just pay up for them, but you're still going to have to spend the same amount of money as everyone else. Yeah, it, it gives everyone the opportunity to get every single player in the draft. If you're at the 12 spot, Jonathan Taylor is never going to be available to you. No matter That's what right. format, no matter what league, you don't even have a chance. And so auction just just creates that chance to, if you want Jonathan Taylor, you can go get Jonathan Taylor. And, and so it's nice to have access to each and every player and and sometimes those guys like jonathan taylor like we were in a 200 dollar auction um redraft auction last year and jonathan taylor went for 96 bucks and i was like um yeah i don't think i'm gonna be having any jonathan taylor shares and so um i ended up getting Najee for like 44 or something like that it was it was that's reasonable yeah 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 for half the price i got i mean 80 percent of what jonathan taylor does um so yeah, it's just it's it's nice to definitely have access to each and every player because I do love Jonathan Taylor, but not that much. <laughs> but 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 it is just like very devastating when you just get your draft pick and then it's like, well, I know these guys aren't going to get to me. Uh-huh. Like it, it just like stinks, you know. So so this way, you just have the like you said, you have the ability to get any player you want. Just you have to potentially pay up for them <laughs> and then just having that discipline of being able to stop the bidding and just ah, now, nah, you know, that's a little too out of my, uh, that's out of my budget, you know, j- yeah. j- just like anything, groceries, you know, whatever, uh, uh, clothing, you know, it's like, I don't need to get the $500 pair of sunglasses. I can get the $5 pair at Ross. Cause I'm just gonna lose them at the beach anyway. You know, maybe I'm exactly. talking from experience. I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So it's just one of those things. It's, and again, um, you just have so much more freedom in in playing around with, with with strategies too, because it just falls on what you are doing, not reacting to what other people are doing to a certain degree. So one of my biggest um, issues with auction drafts is there's no trades, and I, I, I love. I mean, like within the draft, there's right there's no trades. And uh, so that was the reason why I wouldn't do auction. Um, I was like, I love trades too much. I love the opportunity to make trades and that just isn't there an auction. Um, but yeah, it I- definitely, 
it, it gets a little clunky. Like if you're if you're doing one in person, I highly recommend one in person rather than on Sleeper or ESPN or wherever it may be. Right. Just the experience is just it is just peak draft day experience. But we are our home league has been doing auction since 2011, and we have incorporated like little trades that can happen but again you just disrupt the whole flow of uh-huh. the, the bidding and the nominations so everyone has to like you know understand like what's happening you know so that it doesn't happen often but you're right like that 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 really could uh deter that that aspect of it and in like a normal uh well i guess in some platforms you, you can make trades in, in a snake like i know <laughs> on sleeper you can i'm not sure if you can do that on on espn though or like uh, yeah i'm not sure if that if that if that is a thing yeah i i mean every single one of my leagues except for scott fishbowl was on sleeper this year oh perfect um, okay there you go um so i just play exclusively on sleeper um and it's really nice to just to have basically one platform and from my opinion the best platform um they just continue to add things that help the functionality and ESPN. Yeah, definitely. ESPN and Yahoo have done the same thing for the last 10 years. And so, um, but we're not here to talk about sleeper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So how much, or what is the position that you typically spend the most on? And, And you can, you can vary like, Maybe in Superflex, you spend the most in QB. Maybe you don't do a whole lot of Superflex auction. Um, so just kind of let me know what you're comfortable with. And, and um, yeah, so who do you spend kind of the most position? is? Yeah, so um, what I'm typically try well, what I typically try to do is I try to prioritize uh, scarcity as much as possible. Um, so in, in a super flex auction, I would bump up my typical budget percentage for quarterbacks than I would if it's a single QB league where I'm very much a proponent of just like late round QB, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, I'm, I can be like that to a certain degree on tight end too, um, where I'd have more confidence getting, a tight end earlier in a snake draft than I would in, in an auction. I just like how my teams look better. So, and there's no right, right or wrong. I just would rather upgrade at that position with a trade in the middle of the season, not prioritize that in the draft. I, I cause, because you have the ability to create a team that could be vastly different than the rest of the league compared to a snake where it all kind of makes to a certain degree, everyone a little bit more equal at like in week one, week one at an auction, there could be four teams that just look horrible. And then six, that look really strong. And then a bunch in the middle that just are kind of could, could, could go either way. Um, so in a, in a super flex, I would prioritize Q. I would plan on prioritizing quarterback and then, you just kind of have to see how it goes. Uh, I did a Superflex auction mock last uh, Sunday, and I ended up spending thirty-one dollars out of two hundred on three quarterbacks, which 
is kind of funky because like your typical top 10 are going for, for, for 30 plus. Uh-huh. So I was able to come away with Mac Jones, Tom Brady, and Deshaun Watson offer $10 or $11 there on Brady I, I spent on. Um, and that was not something that I was planning on doing, but it actually uh-huh. I was pretty happy with how that played out when you have guys like Lamar Jackson, who alone are going for, for 33 in right. like a Super League, which I would typically would be willing to uh, – up for but just for whatever reason the way the draft was flowing uh it because like the nomination order can really make you adjust to right uh, how you want to approach it as well so just a lot of things to juggle um but typically i would want to spend most of my money on on running back especially like, like a top running back um one of the strategies i think i'm going to be using this season uh for auction leagues would be like hero rb like spend uh-huh. up for like a top six running back and then try to get a bunch of like back end RB twos or high end RB threes, like a little cluster, like three or four of those. And then like just like one elite running back uh-huh. and then like wide receiver, I can kind of give or take at the top because they can just be so expensive compared to a lot of these guys in the middle. Right. You know um, I'm very comfortable leaving an auction draft with like four wide receiver twos and threes rather than one wide receiver one and like six wide receiver fives, you know, like if, if however you classify your rankings, that's just how I like think about it. So Uh I think the depth of the wide receiver position, uh, the way I like to look at it is, I'm never going to be the guy that's going to get Tyree kill in an auction or Devontae Adams or like Jamar chase, I guess this year Um, I'll either try to get them through trade, uh, but I'm likely not going to come away with them just because there are, and again, not saying there's a lot of Jamar chases out there, but just because the way I can fill out a roster, I feel much more confident having four or five who are like what between wide receiver uh, 20 and 35 rather than just one near the top and then a bunch of guys in the forties and beyond. Uh Uh-huh. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Kind of hitting on guys like, uh, Michael Gallup and, and Tyler Boyd and kind of guys around that range. Um, right. And last year, (laughs) Cooper cup was in that range. That's right. And the year before that, um, who was it that that was in the wide receiver? There's somebody in the wide receiver thirty range two years ago that that exploded and 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 was like a wide receiver one. I can't think of who it was off the top of my head though. But yeah, but no, but no, you're right though. Um, yeah, Cooper Cup could have been had for like. 10 bucks, 15 bucks max. If you're playing with like a bunch of Rams fans, you know what I mean? Um, And now this year he'll, he'll be no less than, than 30. Well, in a super flex. So if it's like a one QB, he he could easily be like a 40, $50 player, you know, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, I, I think that he will get overbid this season. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because of the historic season he had. Um, he's just, I don't think he's going to live up to what he's been on this year. Just, just cause typically that doesn't repeat, 
um, just a guy performing at that high of a level. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's like a ridiculous thing to say to just generally speaking, fade him. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I, I do think that that, that is, it is plausible that, that he could have another season like what he had. Um, the, the, the environment hasn't changed a ton in the Rams. You know, like they brought in Allen Robinson. Who knows if Beckham's coming back? Uh, Robert Woods is gone. So he'll still get like a really – tasty you know target share and you know uh with stafford and everything else could get getting the extension so it is kind of lining up nicely there but you're right Uh like having that expectation is gonna be all the more devastating you kind of just kind of be happy you got him if you got him last year you know but right but like he broke several records last year (laughs) and, and so to have that as an expectation Oh no, I think I think that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and so sure. I, I still think he's gonna be a wide receiver one this season. Like I, I don't have any question about that. I just think that people are going to be he, he may not finish as the wide receiver one this season. And I think that's that some people aren't when it comes to redraft season. Uh, some people aren't even going to consider that that's a possibility just because of what he did. And I'm sure back in the day when Randy Moss did the same thing that people yeah. were like, oh, there's no way that he won't be the wide receiver one. And, and he wasn't. There so, you go. Um, so spend a bunch on wide receivers. Uh, no. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Um, who do you typically nominate? first or do you have a nomination strategy i know that question i didn't prepare you for but no no no. that this is very easy to answer uh what i typically like to do are nominate players who i'm really only interested in drafting at a um at a value so everyone i'm happy to draft for any price right so like say last year um, I would have nominated Joe Mixon out a lot last year because I just didn't think he was going to the season he did. Uh-huh. And, you know, I got a little, I got a lot of egg on my face on that one. But either way, I would have put him out because I would have been happy to get him at a, at, at a discount, right? Especially early in the draft when people like maybe don't want to spend a lot of money. Um, so, so it's either players that I'm either out on or would be happy to get at a discount. And then I can just kind of shift you know, how I want to proceed with how the, the bids are coming out. Um, so that's one I like to do another like mid auction, uh, nomination strategy I have is nominate players at positions I'm already set at. Right. So if I already have a pretty good stable of wide receivers, I'm going to just nominate the, the best available just to get as much money off the board as possible because I, it's just, it's just money that I'm not going to be spending and someone else needs to spend. So Uh why would I nominate a position that I could potentially get cheaper later that I do need when I know that money is going to be spent on a position I don't need. So Uh that's one that I like to do a lot. Um, So I try to have like a combination of that, but it is really important to, have a strong idea of who you want to nominate beforehand. Uh, you you don't want to do that on the fly. 
especially if you're doing it in in a draft room because you have a timer on on, on the nomination, then it's just going to uh-huh. put up who's ever at the top of your queue, and you might not necessarily want to do that, you know, yeah. um, in, in that moment. So but that, that's a really great, great question. Um, there are just a lot of these, what, what I call like micro strategies that, that occur uh, in, in an auction. You just have to juggle a lot of different things, your budget, your uh-huh. opponent's budget, what you have, what you have to fill in your roster and what everyone else has to fill in their roster. Um, so knowing that you're set at tight end and like three other guys who have more money than you aren't, you could put a tight end. I'll just have them like battle it out. Like it's the hunger games over like right. whoever. And then, you know, that they're going to overpay most likely because all three of them need that. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just money off the board that, that you're, that you weren't going to need, need to spend anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have a nomination story here. Oh, okay. Um, in my auction redraft two years ago, um, I I did a couple mock drafts to kind of prepare. And in one of the mock drafts I did, um, Mike Thomas of the Bengals <laughs> okay. went up for nomination and immediately $56, something like that, because um, it was Ooh. after his reception season. And so um, in the mock draft, I saw that and I was like, okay, okay. And so I got getting to my actual draft and my first nomination is Mike Thomas of the Bengals. Immediately $45 go on the board in the actual draft. That's amazing. And and some people were were like, he only went for $45. That's insane. And – and the guy who who bid on him like 30 seconds later was like, oh, my gosh, this is not Michael Thomas. Yeah, yeah he felt nauseous uh, just instantly, yeah. Um, I don't – Whole night's like, ruined right off the top. Yeah, it was a great moment, but I would be so upset if that – like I had done something like that to me because um, at the time – um. Duke Johnson and David Johnson were both on the Texans, and oh, I. Wow. And and so that was also one of them that that happened to where somebody nominated Duke, and and somebody spent up for for David, and yeah, so just those and like DJ Moore and and um, and David Moore, David yeah. Moore, yeah, just yep. those guys. Um, so that's um, one of my fun auction stories. I don't have a ton of them, but that was just. <laughs> I know it's I funny if if you throw out like like the other Michael Thomas right. out and you only get them for a buck. Ah, whatever. You just drop right. them, add someone else. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's funny. Like back in the day, there was like two like um, Adrian Petersons. You uh-huh. know, one on the Bears, <laughs> one on the Vikings. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so yeah. Funny. Um, so um, I, I wouldn't consider it a nomination strategy, but it it is pretty funny when when it well sneaky. That's right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they they say auctions are are chess when like redraft is checkers, and that's exactly it. You know, there's there's right. these, these little things you can do in that kind of a draft room that just can't be done elsewhere. In, you know, yeah, in a snake. Yeah, there's you can't like nobody's gonna make that mistake. Um, but because there's just this quick time 
time frame within the auction, people don't like double check. They don't go in and look at the statistics. They're just like, oh, Michael Thomas is on the board. I'm going to go bid for him. Um, so, yeah. Which is actually a good other little tip here is um, really just only add $1. <laughs> Unless it's a player that you are supremely confident in that you're willing to put a little extra on the bid, right? So just went in doubt, just $1 more um, so rather I, than up at it like $7 or something. That's, you don't, you don't always need to do that. <laughs> so you don't find value in, let's say putting kind of a big bid on someone to kind of scare some people off. Like if you, if you start the bid a little higher, they're like, Oh, if it's starting this high, I don't, I don't want to participate, you know? In in my experience, that is usually more useful, like halfway through, not early on. So once people are already spending money, they now have to kind of hold their budget a little tighter in the middle. So say I have the most money to spend. I I could throw out a a semi-aggressive early bid and everyone's like, oh no, screw that. There's like still like a dozen other guys I'd rather get out of like a, and then really it may be like a two or $3 discount, but they're just out already because they have to hold a little tighter to their money. So I, I I will say that I, that, that, that could be advantageous halfway through or towards the back end of the draft rather than on the front end. Um, because really what, what you don't want to do is price and force, especially at a position that's not going to benefit your, your roster. Like if you only need to start three running backs, and I know a bunch of people who prescribe to the stars and scrubs kind of a way of going where they would aim for, you know, three of the top 10, like running backs, for example, then uh-huh. there's like three studs, then you fill in the rest. That's fine. Cause I got three studs or whatever. Uh-huh. I, I just have always been more of like a draft for depth type type. So you can uh-huh. just have more flexibility in pulling trades or with COVID and all that crap, like uh-huh. uh, really complicated, like, like the injury questionable out kind of stuff. So just kind of leaving the draft with, with more depth rather than like the stars and scrubs. So that's where um, I wouldn't want to be too ultra aggressive on the bidding on the big jumps in, 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 in bidding uh, early on, I would try to do that more in the middle or towards the end depends how much money you have. But again, just a lot to juggle, but it's so much fun though. Gotcha. Um, yeah. What is the biggest pitfall or trap when it comes to auction? Yeah, I think sort of a, kind of like with the misconception thing, the amount of time, and the preparation and the experience that people have, that can be a little bit of a, of a turnoff because it is a higher level. I, I think it's a higher level thinking about going into your drafts where like snake draft, you can literally make a pick, go to the bathroom. You, you can't just like leave the draft board in an auction because it's just constant. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, but I think a pitfall is like the, the time and the preparation because you really just have to consider every single player because every single player is literally available. If they get nominated, well, that that's your opportunity to get them. So I think the pitfall might be just in, in how people perceive 
how much has to go into getting ready for it. Um, but then again, th that can be, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That, 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 that can be um, remedied just by, by, by your own experience with it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, would you say it matters what amount you have in your budget um, or do you play more of a percent game? So let's say um, you one league has one redraft has a budget of 200 and then the next one has a budget of, you know, 1500. Right. This is an excellent question. And I've seen really uh, wacky draft results when people don't know how to handle this. So I always defer to percentage because that way that same percentage applies to $100, $200, $500, it just, it just doesn't matter as long as you have the percentage and you can get used to sort of doing the math or even just like kind of do it on the fly in the draft room. So tip, uh, a typical set would be $200. So just a lot of platforms will just say, Hey, on like their, on their cheat sheets, you know, this guy is, for a $200 budget, we'd recommend 60 bucks, right? But like I know um, CBS, for example, their auction draft rooms are based on $100. At least it was, you know, I, I don't know what, what it is now, but it used to be $100. So that was like a, a big distinction where they would say, oh, that's, that's just a $4 player. But if you heard the same talking point on like ESPN uh, article or podcast, they would it would be double that because it's double the budget. Right. So I, I defer to percent because it carries over regardless of the total money spent per team. So an example of where it got wonky uh, to my benefit last year was I did a, a vampire league. It was uh -huh. auction. So this was a, a $500 budget or sorry. It was, it was a $500 budget per team in that draft. I knew Two people were experienced. Some people were just trying this out for the first time. It just was like a free league. This was like, it just was like just for fun, right? So $500 budget. And again, last year, <laughs> I got I got Christian McCaffrey for $87. People were a little shy about spending early on. But in my head, I'm like, well, in a $200 budget, CMC is worth like 60, right? right? So only 87 on more than double that budget that's an extreme discount and these people don't know it. Right. So I literally was able to get Christian McCaffrey for 17 and a half percent of the budget when normally he's worth like 30% of the budget. Right. So that was an extreme discount. Um, but that one was also was very wonky because people didn't know what they were doing. You saw some wild uh -huh. um, purchases in that one. Like the most expensive play, this was super flex. The most expensive player drafted was Kyle Pitts and he went for $99. Like it just oh was crazy. Goodness. So that's like a hard one to really say this is typical, but the fact remains that because I had like the experience of understanding like the budget of that, the, the, the percent that Christian McCaffrey, like a player like Christian McCaffrey is worth, I got him for like half that. So, uh -huh. so that was just, was like a home run. And then we all know what happened last year, yeah. uh, but either way, yeah, I ended up uh, losing him uh, to one of the vampires. It was, it was devastating. It was horrible. Oh, uh, but, oh. but anyway, yeah, it was, it was really rough, but, um, but that was just an example of you just want to apply the, the percentage. And then that way you're just prepared regardless of what the total money 
uh, spent is going to be across the whole uh, draft. So, so that, that, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, de- I do my fab in terms of percentage um, just cause I have a couple leagues that I have a league that it's a thousand fab. I have a league that a hundred. Oh, a right. Yep. 200. Same principle. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I figured that that's kind of how you would, would carry this out and, a similar philosophy um, just because it really doesn't make that big of a difference. But when it's 1000, you know, maybe it almost feels like you can spend more, but it's really not more. Um, So it's just doing it in percentages seems absolutely like the best way to go. So you've, you've got it all figured out auction King. (laughs) Yeah, here, here it is. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's fine. All right. So I want to know where I can find your content, Steve. Yeah. So um, I write articles for, for Dynasty Pros uh, FF as well as for the IDP guys. Uh, for, for that website, I also started doing some, some video content as well. Uh, so on their YouTube channel, uh, I've done a couple of uh, rookie mock draft reviews and as well as some uh, – uh, Dynasty Dilemmas, uh, that, that's been the series on, on Dynasty Pros. I've done a couple of those, got a couple more in, in the works coming out here. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. Yeah, awesome. Um, I will have to go check out your IDP guys' video content because I I didn't know that you were doing video content for them. So um, Neither I did have- I until just a few weeks ago. I just figured, you know, I'll give it a try and, and see how it works. So I've been enjoying it. Well, yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I will definitely go and check that out. And appreciate that. Uh, it's been awesome talking auction with you, Steve. And, and um, I just appreciate you coming on the show and talking football with me. Absolutely. <sighs> All right.